The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, you have come into our world whether we wanted it or not, whether we were ready or not. We ask that you would continue to walk with us as you have entrusted us with your Son, so we too might grow in stature in ways that draw us and all of creation towards you. Amen. I was thinking when we started looking at the text again this year, this passage from Luke is read every year. And by every year, I don't mean the six years that I've been here at Grace. I don't mean the 60 years that Grace has been in Palo Alto. I don't mean the knocking on 300 years that Christians have been in North America and even more, 400. We're not talking about the last thousand years. We're talking about probably 16, 1700 years that Christians have gathered 
and read this text. Of all people, Quirinius, right? How many lectors have slaved over that word over the generations? Why did he have to be the governor? Couldn't it have been, you know, his brother John? (laughs) But it's Quirinius that we have. And we get into trouble in this text because it's not complete for one. We have to run into Matthew's gospel to steal the wise men because we like them there too. But if we read Matthew, we have to run back into Luke and steal the shepherds because we like them. And we have questions because the first registration really wasn't when Quirinius was governor and, and the emperor and King Herod. And it just starts to get awkward. We have a lot of stories that we tell as a nation at this time of year. Some of them are new. Some of them are old. Some of those are stories that we tell children. Some of those are stories that we share all together. But this one is different. If for no other reason than the number of years that it has been told. Think of it, that an event that happened so long ago, on the other side of the globe, would draw us together December 24th, 2011, in Palo Alto, California, to fill this space to tell it again. You can count on about, I'd say, one finger, the number of stories that have that kind of power. And so here we are. And it's a common story. A story of a man and a woman, a woman who is pregnant, a woman for whom it's time to deliver a baby and it's not convenient and they're out of town. There are all kinds of stories on TV at this time of year, right? Where the paramedic delivers the baby in the back of the taxi because the road's icy or whatever the case might be. It's not a story that is unique in that sense of things. We hear about shepherds, and most of our stories don't have shepherds these days. But there are a few things in this text that are very unusual, that are unique. Emperor Augustus, his name is just tossed out for no reason. The governor of Syria, his name tossed out just as a reference. These are the power centers This is where things happened. Rome, the local governor, we today might say Washington or the Vatican. These are the big power brokers that are just signs on the side of the road of this story. This story takes place in a strange, small space. When we hear the story, we all know how it goes, right? Mary and Joseph... Mary's riding on the donkey, which somehow isn't in the text either, but there's a donkey. And she's riding, and there's no room in the inn, right? Going door to door, we can kind of picture it. There's no room. The text actually says there is no place or even space. This is kind of curious. How many times in our lives, perhaps even at this time of year, are we looking around and saying, there's no, there's no space for that. There's too much under the tree already. Why do we need another 
car or the busyness of our calendar. There's no room for that in here. We've got to be here this morning and there this afternoon. There is no space. There is no space. Even as we begin the scripture in Genesis, we hear these great words of in the beginning. Ancient Hebrew people in this sense of creation gets lost in our older English words like firmament and words that don't immediately conjure an image. But the sense is almost that in the midst of chaos, there was a little space made by God for all of the universe. A space was made. God didn't ask. God didn't say, is it okay if I come? God made space in the midst of us, and the world, us, have not always responded well to God making that space. We kind of like God packaged nice and neat. Something that we can take out when it's handy, when it's useful, but equally as important can be put away. Because if God is just loose and out all the time, then God may ask things of us that we'd rather God didn't ask of us because it tends to be awkward and hard for us. And God and us, we don't always share the same priorities. And so it's, it's easier if we can just put God away into some small space. I think there is something powerful in this story, though, that even as God creates a space... It is a space that cannot be contained. The shepherds dash off into the fields. The angels can't stop from sharing the story. How many generations and thousands of miles later are we gathered tonight? It cannot be contained. I was reminded of this a couple weeks ago. I had ridden my bike downtown and I was going to a class and had gotten there a little early, I decided, as my staff I'm sure knows I'm prone to do, to stop into a store and get a bottle of Coke. You can picture those plastic 20-ounce bottles, right? They're handy. They're contained, right? They have a lid. You can take it off when you want it. You can put it back on. It's great. As I was walking across the parking lot, very satisfied with my purchase, I dropped it on the asphalt hit right on the end, you know, where it bounces really nice. It's not as well contained at that point. (laughs) It bursts out. That lid, that nice lid on it, nothing. All over the place. There isn't some sense of boundary where you stay over there, I stay over here, we stay neat. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. The story of God breaking into creation is just that. It's a mess. It's all over the place. It's all over us. It's not something that we can differentiate and put away. God has come and is loose in creation in a way that claims all of us. It's interesting that God would trust us with this in the first place. God comes as an infant, as a newborn, to be cared for, 
by humans. A sense of trust, of love, giving to us salvation in such a way that we are called to care as well. Now, the power of this story that we have tonight, God breaking loose into the world, has a lot to do with the stories that follow. And it's fascinating to me, because when we talk about God being loose in the world, it's amazing how threatened we got. One of my favorite stories is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. The very next verses are people meeting and saying, we have to stop this. This guy, he's just going to go around and heal people and bring them back from the dead. Somebody has to put a stop to it. What brings good news tonight is that we failed. We failed to put a stop to it. It could not be stopped. God's power of life and salvation that broke into creation all those years ago, we could not stop. God came in because God wanted to. And God won because that's what God does. And so as we gather on this night, we are mindful that God still claims us. This powerful story that propels us to this space propels us out in a way that forces and encourages us to work with God for justice in this world. And just like they talked about him then, always healing people, feeding the hungry, caring about those who are oppressed, that's our job too. Not just tonight, but every day when we wake up knowing that God continues to be with us in creation, giving us strength to reach out and share that explosive love with everyone around us. Amen.